Check one, two. Go! Curious about real estate? Yes! Then you've come to the right place. Get the knowledge you need. Get over the fear and get started. This is the Michael Quarles Real Estate Show with your host, Michael Quarles. Hello, everybody. Michael Quarles with the Michael Quarles Real Estate Show. Today, I have Pat Hyben on. He's a real estate professional, investor in startups. He's written some bestsellers, and he's been the number one real estate agent in two different companies. That's pretty awesome. So I'm going to ask Pat some crazy questions you know I do, and we're going to have some fun here. So welcome to the show, Pat. Tell us about yourself. So um, I am a real estate guy who has grown up and become a very diversified entrepreneur. Basically, I started out as a full-time real estate agent in 1987 and uh, hustled through that game for a long time, bought plenty of properties, did the monopoly thing where you traded in your greenhouses for big red hotels, bought commercial properties, then started investing in startup companies, currently an investor in 16 startups. And uh, I have a podcast, Pat Hyben Interviews Real Estate Rockstars, where we we basically interview real estate agents and find out what they're doing great that works, that makes them more money, and and and, and get them to share their best practices. And um, I also have a book, Six Steps to Seven Figures, which has been on the New York Times bestseller list. And, uh, you know, I basically spend my time between Baltimore, Maryland, and Charleston, South Carolina, where I have a house in each state, and I kind of just go back and forth. That's exciting. I only have a house in yep. one state, but, you know, California is so big, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's intriguing to me. What works for a real estate agent in today's marketplace? Well, I don't want to sound like a cliche, but to answer um, to answer that question in a in a minute or so, what works for a real estate agent in today's market would be, you know, certainly basic assertive salesmanship or saleswomanship uh, works. I mean, that's uh, how you get business fast. Doing the basics, you know, calling people, asking for referrals, handing out business cards. You know, asking over and over again, do you need an agent? Can I be your agent? Who do you know that's looking for an agent? That works. Always works. So, silly question, and I'm almost wanting to, like, vomit in my mouth asking it. I apologize. But does a salesperson have to be a salesperson? So, can I be a real estate salesperson, but yet have this idea that, no, I, I just, I'm not a salesperson. I'm not that person. I just want to show houses. Yeah, I mean, you could. There's jobs for that. You know, there's 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 people called the showing agents that make you know 25 percent of a hundred percent for a lot of big real estate teams now. It's quite the big phenomenon. So, so all they do is sell houses. Of course, they make less, but but they but yes, to answer your question, yes, that's how you do it. So I could I could say I don't want to be a salesperson, meaning I don't want to have that selling thing. Because I think some people look at sales and think of like a used car salesperson who's just, you know, they have all the right lines, all the right things to say, and they're smooth, and they're just, you know, slippery kind of thing. And some people don't want to be that person. But so that person can survive, or can they, in the real estate agent world? Yes. Okay. 
They may not make all the money, though. They may not make money fast. You know what I mean? It's going to be a slower process for sure. There's plenty of agents out there that are a more subtle personality, and it is possible. You know, and, and it does happen, of course. But when people listen to my show, really what they want to do is, uh, I'm a, I sold 20 houses last year. How can I sell 35 this year? It's not like, hey, I sold 20 houses last year. How can I sell 22 this year? So, you know, I answered your question and, and like more of a how to sell more faster. Um, you can know there's always repeat and referral business. And that, and, and that just like any, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a doctor, whether you're chiropractor or real estate agent that's going to get bigger over time if you get a good job just naturally yeah i'm surprised how many people don't intentionally work their center of influence it's a big part of my life so you know i'm i'm constantly adding to my center of influence even in the real estate investment world although our repeat business doesn't come as fast it still does come and referral base comes strong but I'm amazed that there are a lot of folks that don't think they should disrupt their friendship or tell their friend or their family member or their acquaintance or someone that they pay on a regular basis to think of them first if they need their type of business. But I think the center of influence marketing is tremendous. And again, I'm, I'm always amazed that people don't utilize it as much as they could. I would be out there passing out business cards and bragging that as a real estate agent. Um, I guess I am a real estate agent, although I'm actually a broker, so um, I can brag about that. When I started in the agency business, I saw two types of folks. I saw the really high producers, and when, I'll, when I say top producers or high producers, I'm talking the million-dollar-a-year income earners. You know, They actually made a million dollars. And then I saw a lot of the other people that didn't. And one of the characteristics I've noticed about the ones that did is they were busy. They were like doing things on purpose. I would get to the office. I w unfortunately always wasn't the first one there. They tended to be the first one there. And they were on their phone. By the time phones could start ringing, they were on their phone. They were following up and following through. What's the largest hurdle for that new agent when they get started? You know, I think that the largest hurdle for most new agents today is coming to the realization that they that that if they want to make it big in this industry, that they have to be a listing agent. They have to list houses, and I think there's a lot of insecurity with going to somebody and talking to them about why they should use you to list the house. You know, it's much easier. It's a much less resistant path to just work with buyers where all you really need to do to win is to have a house that you've shown them. The house kind of sells itself with listings. You're selling yourself to the seller. But what you need to understand is that when you have a listing, you automatically then are going to have several buyers because they're going to call you off of the sign on that listing or the ads on that listing. So the biggest hurdle is for agents to get over that insecurity that they can be a good listing agent and they can secure listings and that the goal is to collect listings, not to collect buyers. Explain to the audience, for those that may not know, what a listing agent is and how they're different than maybe the person who represents the buyer and what those people are called. Well, if you drive past the house and there's a sign in the yard... Right, the agent that stuck the sign there is the listing agent. That's what you want to be. If you are working with a buyer, you're allowed to bring them to that house as well as 
every other house in the neighborhood or every other house in the zip code through the MLS system. And if you're working with that buyer, that is a buyer agent. And the idea of why you want to be a listing agent is because I'm thinking once you have that contract to sell that house, you then have a buyer pool that's made up of all of the real estate professionals that represent buyers. Right, and your job is 90% done at that point. You just kick back and let them do the work. So so the more of those you can collect, the wealthier you are. It's just like anything you want. You want to accumulate things in life that, that work for you, that make money for you, rather than you trading time for money. So if you can get the listing, you can get if you can have 20 listings, 100 listings, you know, 200 listings, you're just going to have commissions come in and you won't have to necessarily be driving in your car all day, you know, hoping that someone's going to buy. You know you're going to get paid providing you priced it right. Yeah. I appreciate folks that sell my, my houses. However, I certainly won't put someone in a car and drive them around town all day long and, and show them houses. It's To me, that's not fun. I, I'm a hunter, and, and I guess that's the difference in mentality. But I did notice when, when I started in the real estate um, brokerage business, and I'm not a, although I have a broker's license, I'm not in the brokerage business. So, but when I started in it at one point in my life, I noticed that there was a waiting or seemed to be a waiting period between when, when someone said, I want to be one, I want to be a, an agent and their first check. And it seemed to be like 90 days long or so on average. How does someone reduce that, that waiting period so they can go, okay, I want to get my license and I want to start. I want to supercharge my career. Is there any tricks to accelerating that? Yeah, the only thing you yeah, the only thing you could do is show up for work on the first day, ready to work, and and you know be assertive as possible on day one, with the confidence of someone who's been in business a long time. Um, you know, for the most part, we like to tell agents it's going to be six months before you get paid. How do you feel about agents that? have mentors or, or agents that say, okay, I'm a brand new agent. I don't know what I don't know. So I'm going to be a sub agent to a top producer. What's your opinion on that versus the agent that says, no, I don't need anybody. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm aggressive enough to learn. And I want to be my own agent, which one's better, which one's worse, or does it really matter? No, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, to each his own, they both have their benefits. Number one, if you're thinking you can do it on your own, God bless you. I hope you can. And um, you'll make more money because you'll make a higher commission split from day one. But you're going to learn a lot faster uh, working on a team. And you'll you'll probably sell a lot more houses initially, just make less commission. So, you know, I always recommend somebody get on the team, learn the ropes, get your head kicked in, learn the ropes for the first couple of years and then go out on your own. That's the American way. The American way is you, you work for someone else and then you go off and start your own company. You, you cut a lot of corners that way and you can you can learn the best practices that way. A lot of people that just go from not knowing anything about opening a restaurant to opening a restaurant are foolish, in my opinion. You know, you need to go work at a restaurant for a couple of years and then open your own restaurant. Right. And, and I... Personally, when I jumped into the real estate um, agent business, I did it, I think, the wrong way. I didn't have that mentor, that person there, although we had a really good sales manager that had me under his his wing a little bit. But yeah, I, I can absolutely see the benefit of saying to yourself, I don't know everything. I want to learn as much as I can learn to the point of being comfortable, and then I'm going to go out on my own. One of the advantages I saw 
was that that person that, that I could work under already had a book of business. So they already had business for me to fall into, um, where sometimes new agents don't necessarily have that. One of the, being a guy in, who's actually an investor over a, an agent or a broker, one of the biggest issues that we deal with is that agent broker split on self-production. So, you know, we're buying the house ourselves, we're selling our own house, but we have this contract with our brokerage. Any advice for for the investor agent out there on, on what to do in a situation where you're trying to create wealth, but you want MLXS, you want to have a broker uh, relationship on that split? I'm, I'm, I'm lost. I mean, what was your exact question there? So you have, you have an agent who is also an investor. Got it. They want to do their they own They want to buy houses for themselves. They want to buy houses for themselves. Any mm-hmm. advice on how they can do that? Because I know the relationship I had with my broker, if I did that myself, he, he looked at those transactions as a um, regular transaction, and I had to pay him my desk fee or my split, my file yeah, fee. Yeah, I my... mean, that's something you're going to have to negotiate. I mean, obviously, the broker needs to keep the lights on, so the broker's going to need some money. Um, generally, like what we do at my firm is, you know, we let you buy buy or sell a primary residence plus one investment property a year, and uh, you get to keep 100% of the money. Uh, anything after that, you go down on your split, uh, to the regular split so that, uh, you know, if you're buying three or four, you're playing splits on those. Right. Would you have a license if you're an investor or would you just hire a real estate professional? I would. Yeah. I'm in South. I just, uh, like, you know, I just started spending a lot of time in South Carolina and I'm applying to get my real estate license here and I'm not going to work with people. I'm going to just use it to get a 3% kickback on anything that I buy as an investment. Okay. So you do find the advantage of having the license and as a real estate investor. How about if you were buying not through the MLS, but buying it straight from the seller? So you didn't, there was an agency relationship. Yep. Would that still be? It doesn't matter then, right? I mean, the only benefit, the benefit is that, well, I mean, you could, it, it, obviously it's a class, so you do learn something in the class, you know, you do learn a little bit about, you know, things you might want to know. It doesn't hurt. Uh, but the main benefit for someone like me that's been at this 27 years, I, I don't necessarily need to learn more about real estate. I, you know, in doing it to, to buy houses at not 97, 97 and a half, 98, whatever it is, percent uh, uh, on the dollar um, to save that money. Right. See, and, and we investors, we're buying it at 60 cents on the dollar. But we still, as an investor, we see the, the, the advantage of having some of the data set tools that realtors and brokers and agents have. So, you know, we want to participate on your side of the fence. However, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard for us because, you know, buying 60 cents on the dollar is very attractive. And in, if you're going to South Carolina, I can absolutely tell you there's a, a bucket load of people down there who, um, need to sell their house and the Carolinas, both of them are very, very good markets for that kind of buying. Do you feel like you're rich? Have you succeeded in life? Have you? Yeah. Yes. What is rich without putting numbers to it? What's, what's, what's the, the definition of that? Unless you want to put numbers to it. Yeah. No, I put numbers to it. I think, you know, I, I did a survey once and it was, um, you know, how much money is enough? 
you know, because at some point you get to the point, well, I got this, but you know, you get one jet and you get one plane and then uh, you just decide to upgrade to a jet and then you get that jet and then you want four more seats and you get another jet. And, you know, at some level there is enough. Now everyone has different definitions of enough, but I think for a lot of people and what I did in the surveys ask, you know, how much it is enough and the, the consensus was $5 million. So, you know, $5 million is enough. So that's kind of my rule, $5 million. And then you don't, you just, and, and, and I also think that it's beyond a wealth number two. It's, it's about horizontal income, not vertical income. Vertical income is what, you know, you're earning and you're, and every year you're getting a 5% raise or you're selling two more houses, you're trading time for money and going vertically, I go horizontal. I, like I said, I have 16 companies. I have 30 some real estate pieces that pay me horizontally sideways every month. So my net worth could be a hundred thousand. And if I have 70 horizontal things paying me, then, you know, that's very rich because as long as they pay me for the rest of my life, I'm always going to have money. But chances are, if they're paying you horizontally, then they are worth something. Right. So it kind of comes with it. So the massive and the passive income strategies combined, which very few people look at those two combined and, and see validity in them, but I absolutely do. I think horizontal income is probably worth 10 times as much as vertical income. So if you say, hey, you know, I save, you know, I make 100 grand a year, well, I'd rather make 10,000 a year horizontally and have a job where I have to get up and work, you know, and make, and make a hundred thousand. I hope people that heard that, listened to that and, and took that in because uh, that really is an important aspect of, of wealth building is building something that will push something off to you month in and month out without it having a responsibility or you a responsibility to it. You know, a lot of people say, I want to make, you know, a half million dollars a year and that's their only focus. Well, if they just slowed down a little bit and created something that would make them a hundred thousand dollars a year passively, that might be a, a better focus. Although I like, I do like massive income with, without a doubt. What advice could you give someone in the beginning? Brand new first day. So, so what are they doing? Is this to an investor, a real estate agent? What is it? Who is this person? Uh, they're a person. So let's just call them someone in real estate one way or the other. I, I, my advice would be don't lose track of vision. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, there's there's decades uh, that I look back on it. I wish I had bought more real estate. And I think that the you know, the key is not to to think about it too much. The key is to buy real estate. You know, and so don't lose track of that vision. Just if, if you have, if you, I see a lot of people say, oh yeah, I want to buy an investment property this year. And then I see them a year later. Did you buy an investment property? No, I didn't. Well, they lost track of the vision, right? All they had to do was buy one property. I'm not asking them to buy like a a 700-unit apartment building, right? They're buying one $75,000 row house and and renting it out for, you know, a thousand bucks a month or $8,800 a month. I mean, I'm not asking them to. They they didn't set a goal to make to do this big giant thing for the most part. So they lost track of the vision. And I think if you could keep track of the vision, just do that. Every year, I mean, you're going to be so well off when you're my age. Right. I, th- I think a lot of people, well, they, they lose track because they don't remember that they had a goal, which is why on a daily basis, right. 
I write my goals down and I look at what I did yesterday and what I wanted to do yesterday and what I wanted to accomplish today. Did I do those things? Am I setting myself up for failure? Am I setting myself up for success? And quite frankly, everybody that's listening right now, if, if you have a goal to go out and buy a $75,000 piece of real estate, it is absolutely possible, irrespective of credit, money, all those kinds of things. There are so many opportunities for people to buy real estate one way or the other, either creatively or traditionally, that that is not a tough goal year in and year out. So I would absolutely want to start that way. I always struggle personally with the family and the career. Do you have any of those struggles where when I go on vacation, I go on my vacation, I take bring my laptop and my cell phones, and it seems like I'm working 60% of the time? Do you have any of those struggles? No. Oh, gosh. I, I need to know what you're doing. You just Do you leave it all all at I'm home? I'm not doing anything, yeah. I'm just, it's just mental, right? I mean, it's like some people struggle with weight. You say, why do you struggle with weight? Well, because, you know, you'd rather eat then not eat. I mean, it's, it's, uh, or, or, or exercise. It's the same thing as why do you, why are you a workaholic? Well, you enjoy work rather than not work. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a, it's a conscious decision. You're, you're deciding to bring your computer on vacation. It's not like you don't wake up in the morning. You have a choice. Well, they made them smaller now. I mean, you can hold them in your hand and put them up to your ear. It's crazy how, how, you know, they made it so convenient never to relax. I, for one, have fallen into that trap of because I can take my life with me and not shut it off. But I also, also, I'm not complaining. I enjoy my, you know, my day when I get up and I go to my office and I don't call it a job. A lot of people have a job. I definitely don't have a job. And, you know, in the real estate investment business, it may not be the same for brokerage business, but in the investment business, we can do whatever we want to do from anywhere in the world because I never talk to a seller and I never see a house and I still buy, you know, one a day. So it's kind of a cool thing, but I struggle with that. So now to hear you say you don't struggle with that, I have to do better. I have, to, I wanted you to be able to say, Mike, it's okay to struggle because I understand it, but I didn't get that out of you. So here I sit just feeling sorry for myself now. What do you tell the people that say it can't be done? The non-believers. Like you can't, you can't create wealth in real estate. There's no way. Ah, come on. I mean, if you look at, you know, the majority of the rich people in America got there through real estate. I mean, that, that, that through some form or fashion of real estate, it's just, it, you know, that's how you do it. That's how you get rich slowly. You know, you don't really uh, latching onto a dot com company or something like that, or creating some app and and getting billions of dollars is a fantasy land. You know, I mean, the the easiest way to get rich in America is through real estate, and 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 the way you do it is slowly. You know, one house at a time. That is an excellent book title, by the way. Get rich slowly. Yeah, <laughs> you can have it. And I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Because I was I was chatting with someone just a few days ago, and we were talking about goals. And he made a statement, I'm going to paraphrase, you know, what's your decade goal? You know, what's the goal for the next decade? Very few people think about the next decade. They don't think that long-term strategy. And I would have to say get, getting rich slowly is very similar in that, that you really have to plan this out for, you know, for a while. It's, it's not instant gratification, but our society is so into instant gratification that we want it. We want that lottery ticket winner and we look to what we do to try to get that. And sometimes we don't achieve it. 
What has been your, um, in the businesses that you have, the best one that the one that you've been the most excited about? Hmm. Yeah, that's another, you know, word with many definitions. Um, excited. You know, I think what's exciting, you know, gambling is exciting, right? If you, if you go play craps, that's exciting. That's an exciting game, but gambling is not necessarily the one that's going to get you rich. It's kind of like, Warren Buffett says the best business is a boring business, right? Uh, and it kind of, it kind of helps tie back to the get rich slowly and buying a house and not making a killing on it, but just making a hundred bucks, 300 bucks a month on it. It, it. It's the same thing. I've, I've got businesses that I have invested money in that one would say would be exciting if they hit big. And I was excited about it to write the check. Now, the, the jury's not out yet. I have no idea if that's going to make me rich or not. But it's certainly exciting when you make money out of nothing. I'm excited when I look at my horizontal lines. You know, like I said, Mike, I have over 50 horizontal lines. So, so I can look at those, you know, every day and be like, okay, so this month my horizontal lines may be X amount. My monthly bills are Y amount. I, you know, have Z amount left over uh, to invest in more things. And that to me is exciting because that to me is there's all these pipelines pumping water into my well and I don't have to do anything. That's how I go on vacation and not take my laptop or even my phone for that matter because what do you need me for, right? You don't, I'm not trading time for money, right? I mean, it's not like there's houses, but surely there's a property manager, right? And, you know, there's apartment buildings, but surely there's staff and a superintendent and, you know, people that handle stuff. They don't need me. When did you realize that you're not needed? In life, was there that aha moment? I, I had to decide that I didn't want to be needed. You know, I had to decide that I didn't want to be needed. That I, that someone else could do it better than me. You know, once I, I think once I realized that someone else could do it better, then I was able to leverage that. And you, and you kind of got to get sick of it. You know, you, there's certain things in life I think you stop because you get sick. You know, it's like. It's like um, it's like with the customers, like the first 10 years or so in real estate, I would love it talking to the customers, but then eventually I got sick of talking to the customers, you know, and so that helped me leverage, you know, there was a time when I wanted to, you know, take calls on the weekends and take calls in the evening because I gave me endorphin rushes, but after a while I got sick of that and I didn't want to, so I stopped. You know, and it's kind of like that. It's just like anything in life, I guess, right? You just get sick of things and you stop. There's always, though, that fear that if you stop doing it and allow someone else to do it for you, they won't do it as good. They Or there's that fear of they'll do it better. And so you, well, your ego will be. And, that, and, that, and that's a fear. And that's a fear. And some people are afraid of snakes and some people have fears of spiders. And, and, and at, at, at some point, you know, you have to realize that that's a fear. That's it, all it is, is a fear similar to fearing snakes, right? I mean, Conrad Hilton does not have a fear that his maid in Biloxi, Mississippi is going to put a dirty sheet on a Hilton in bed. 
Conrad Hilton does not have that fear. Interesting perspective. What are you going to do when you grow up? <laughs> not that you're not grown up. I don't mean it that way, but I know, you know, we, we always, you know, I always tell people I'm absolutely just a kid in a big body. The idea of being a grown up just is something that I'm not attracted to. But when you grow up, what do you want to be? A patriarch. And that means to you? You know, I want to be that guy in the family portrait, the old guy that's, uh, that's there and in the middle, you know, with the matriarch and tons of different kids and, and grandchildren, great-grandchildren and dogs and different colors and different hairstyles and different you know, everything just that, that, that I'm responsible for this, this massive close knit family. That's, you know, and, and that they respect me and that they want to be like me and that want to some way they be a, a patriarch or a matriarch themselves because of what they, uh, how they've seen I have handled it. What a great legacy to leave someone. Yeah. That would be that would be outstanding. How do people find you again? So, you know, I'm all over the place. You can just Google me, but uh, you can friend me on Facebook. I have two pages, Pat Hyben and Patrick Hyben, just because I have too many friends on each one, but one of them I'll friend you on. Uh, Instagram, I am Pat Hyben. Twitter, at Pat Hyben. My podcast is hybendigital.com. You can buy my book on Amazon.com. One of the companies I own is a mastermind company for men who want to lead epic lives and uh, become wealthier, and that is GoBundance, which is like abundance, but GoBundance, G-O-B-U-N-D-A-N-C-E dot com. All those places you can find me. Fantastic. Well, I have, it's been an honor to have you on. I appreciate it. And it was, it was fun. Yeah, Mike, that was a good time, buddy. So, um, you know, if I'm ever in, uh, wherever you are in California, we'll, um, we'll break some bread. Bakersfield. 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 Okay, uh, cool. That, all that means is people from Oklahoma at one point in life took their car, drove out to California, ran out of gas in the middle of the desert and started a city. Whatever one of them was named Baker. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It is absolutely. It's it's a great city that really is not really a California city. Anyway, absolutely. If you're in town, let's break some bread. Thank you, sir. All right, brother. Have a good day. That was exciting, guys and gals. I learned two words today or two phrases today that I am going to keep. In fact, one of them, I am going to have it framed and put in my office next to my Bentley license plate that says for cash. And it's going to be a frame with the words inside of the frame that say, get rich slowly. That's my takeaway from today is to get rich slowly, utilizing horizontal lines of investing. Some cool stuff. I'm actually going to re-listen to this one a couple times because there were some, there were some hidden secrets and some hidden hidden things in here that um, I'm going to fall back to and listen two or three more times. Thanks for joining us. You guys have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Michael Quarles Real Estate Show. Get more info and stay in touch at michaelquarles.com.